Hello, and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical for Women, a nonprofit medical clinic offering free of charge or low-cost reproductive health services to women in the Seattle area, regardless of income or insurance status. 3W does not profit off of the reproductive health choices women make. The information shared in this podcast is the opinion of the speaker or speakers. Medical information is not intended as individual medical consultation, but for general education only. Always consult your own health professional for personalized advice regarding medical decisions. And if you're in the Seattle area, consider making an appointment to consult with us. I'm Alejandra, content marketing specialist at 3W Medical for Women and the host of today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. My name is Alejandra, your stand-in host, while Helen is on maternity leave. And I'm here today with a very special guest. Her name is Christy Emmons. She's one of our providers here. Hello, Christy. Hello, Alejandra. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good, good. Well, I am very excited to have you here as our guest again. It's been a couple months, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Since the last podcast you joined us for. So, Today's topic is what is endometriosis? Am I saying that correctly? You are. Okay, perfect. (laughs) And I don't know how many of you who are listening know what endometriosis is. I didn't know what it was prior to working here. And I still am very curious as to what it is, what it entails, what are signs and things like that. So Christy is going to help us understand a little bit more of what endometriosis is and just give us some insights, some very simple information on how we can know about this and how we can educate ourselves a little more. So Christy, I'm going to just ask you a couple questions and hopefully this will help our listeners understand a little bit more about this. What would you call it? Concern? A side effect to women's reproductive health? How would you kind of phrase that? I guess I would just call it, well... I don't know exactly what I would call it, Alejandro. It's just, it's so, it's actually pretty common. Okay. So I hate, I wouldn't call it a concern because it's just something that some women are going to be faced with. And I, I guess I see it a lot in family practice. I might have women come in with a common symptom and it's one of the most common disease processes I would put in my differential list, which means when a patient comes in and they report their symptoms, Mm -hmm. we start kind of thinking about different ideas of what it could be. So that would be in the list with a few other things. For example, if a woman came in saying she had really painful abdominal pain or pelvic pain with menstruation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so that kind of ties into what is endometriosis. Yes. What what is the definition you could say? So of, the definition of, of endometriosis is a very common benign gynecological disorder for women. Okay. And yeah. in a little bit more simple talk yes. <laughs> for our listeners. So basically endometriosis, it's really quite fascinating actually. Mm-hmm. There's certain areas it's going to present in a woman's body. And typically it's going to be in the lower pelvis area. On a very rare occasion, it might be in an unusual location, maybe Mm. in the upper chest. But basically in our uterus, if you can imagine the womb, Mm -hmm. 
inside is the endometrium. Okay. okay. And endometriosis is basically implants of endometrium outside of the womb. Okay. And if you think about it this way, when we have our period and our hormones change, the endometrium can sometimes get inflamed. Some people are more at risk for developing maybe premenstrual symptoms or cramps or pelvic congestion, mm. swelling, just feeling full or abdominal bloated sensation. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, if you have that tissue outside of the womb, mm -hmm. then you're going to feel pain in other areas of your pelvis. Wow. And it can be really, really painful for women. And so if you can imagine, there's lots of theories around it, but if you can imagine having pain every single month when you have your period right. in other areas aside from your womb, oh, goodness. maybe up in your chest. And again, I, I just want to reiterate, the chest is really abnormal, not very common, but I just want to say hmm. it's so unusual to have it up in the chest, but it could be there. So you mm -hmm. have to think about that. Like if a woman's having really unusual pain, and this is what I would really emphasize on, it's cyclical. So it's going to be mm. typically once a month around her cycle. Okay. And for some women, it can be debilitating. And for other women, it can be not so debilitating. Mm. And yeah, it's wow. just one of those things. So it's the tissue that normally is in the womb is outside of the womb. Exactly. And yeah. it can be experienced in pain in different areas. Yeah, because it wow. just fluctuates every single month with the hormones fluctuating. Wow. And so it's actually, it's a disease that you're going to see in women of childbearing age. Okay. Because as we go on through life, through the continuum of life, and our hormones change and we enter menopause, it's not seen mm -hmm. as frequently. Okay, so it diminishes the pain with time and the side effects. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow, but that's a long time. It it's is your a whole long life. time. <laughs> well, your whole fertile period, you right. know, of like you say, childbearing age, to experience that would wow. be really, really complicated yes. amongst all the other normal things in life, like mm -hmm. just working or having a family or sleeping or you know right. having fun doing recreational things. Everything's yes. impacted every single day of wow. that person's life. Okay. Unless wow. they really learn how to manage it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned in the beginning a little bit of one of the ways women can find out they have it. So how will women find out or how do women find out that they, they could possibly have endometriosis? So for example, I can think of a patient this week that I saw and I, I like to use candid examples because they're really fresh in my mind. And mm -hmm. it's a young woman who is experiencing painful periods. And so that's going to be something that I frequently hear. And again, as I told you, it doesn't mean that she has endometriosis just because she has painful periods, right. but it's going to be on my radar. So mm -hmm. then she might tell me she has really heavy menstrual cycles. And that's going to be another point to lead me towards endometriosis. Towards at the same time, you can still have those two symptoms and it not be endometriosis. Endometriosis is one of those things we don't have a lab test for. Imaging is not evidence-based to use sure. to diagnose it. 
They will talk about using ultrasound or CT or MRI in the literature under certain situations, and it might be in the presence of a mass. So I want to be really clear here that typically when we diagnose something without a test, Mm -hmm. it's called either by exclusion, because we're going to do a trial of a treatment plan. And if it doesn't work, then it rules it out that it is, or it rules it in that it is the problem. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I became more suspicious after I meet this person, Mm -hmm. you know, I might want her to track her period. And I, you know, I'm starting to find with all my childbearing women patients, Mm -hmm. I ask them all to just to do a tracker. There's tons of apps, track your period, find out how consistent it is, how many days in length, when the first day is, and when the last day is. And then mm. you, you, it just offers a lot of information, and it really is a big indicator for a provider about their overall health and wellness. Sure. And you empirically or just based off their history, which is the person's individual story and experience and menstrual pattern, go, you know, this is really sounding like endometriosis. So Mm -hmm. then what you do is obviously fertility can be something that's impacted by this later on if it goes undiagnosed or if you don't intervene and manage it well. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you want to do is do a trial of some of the first-line treatments, which for endometriosis is really simple. It's non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, which those for people that aren't familiar with that group of medicines is ibuprofen or Aleve, um, Motrin, And those are really simple. And actually, in the research, there's all these new fancy NSAIDs. Again, that's the family of anti-inflammatories. They don't work any better than simple, over-the-counter Advil. So that's another thing with my patients. I try and keep everything simple. Sure. We don't need to do all this fancy stuff. Let's just exhaust all the simple things that we can apply in life. And Mm. the other thing is actually using contraceptives, and that would be oral contraceptives, either combined with both estrogen and progestins, or you can use a progestin only. Mm -hmm. And by manipulating the hormones in her body, you can help lower the symptoms that she's experiencing. So those are the first line things that you do. Mm -hmm. But the absolute gold standard of diagnostic approach for endometriosis is going to be a diagnostic laparoscopy. or an open laparotomy, because you actually need to visualize these little endometrial implants in her, it's called the peritoneal cavity. Okay. So when you look into somebody's belly or you open them up, that's the peritoneum. So it's the cavity in where all of our organs are. So Mm -hmm. our intestines are, um, and then there's the pelvic peritoneum, which is lower, obviously. But Within that cavity, you will see characteristic implants that can be dark red. They can look dark brown. I've heard people say they look kind of blue. Wow. I haven't actually visualized them myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could do a Google search and look at images and see them. And then I've heard of some unusual ones just being clear, like clear vesicles. So you have to have a really you really need to be hooked up with GYN. So for me, if somebody was really suffering from endometriosis Mm -hmm. and they're seeing me in primary care, if we can do a quick trial of some simple approaches, if they don't work, 
I'm not going to waste my patient's time or her health. I'm going to send them to a really well-qualified specialist in right. um, women's healthcare and GYN. Mm-hmm. And then you even have specialists that maybe they've even have a fellowship, which is a more focused, uh, extensive training for something in this area, especially okay. with fertility, because sure, you don't want sure. to jeopardize that. Okay. That's so good to know. And so with this, like you were saying, what are common signs? So you were saying, you know, some pain during menstruation, but also any other signs, like common ones that yes, women can so kind of... so there can be pain with menstruation. Okay. A lot of women will have pain with intercourse. Okay. They'll have heavy bleeding. Okay. They'll have pelvic fullness, bloating. Sometimes they can have changes in bowel habits. Mm-hmm. Those are probably some of the most common ones that I can think of. Okay. Okay. Those are really good because like you were saying, you know, every woman could say, oh, I have pain during my period. Right. I can think of all my appointments when I was a teenager and thinking, oh yes, I do have a painful period or a heavy period. But after a certain point, it kind of levels off and you start to kind of see the the flow of your month to month periods. So it is good if it is extra painful or and you, know, also, you have concerns. I think another thing I'd like to add to that is mm-hmm. that sometimes it can be progressive. It can worsen over time. Okay. Sometimes they might actually pass blood in their stool because mm. we can have implants in the rectovaginal area. Oh, wow. Um, and that gets kind of complicated to try and discuss or describe over a podcast without being able sure. to use like a teaching tool or pictures to help people understand. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the general lower pelvis area, which involves the bladder system, the, you know, where we're having our bowel movements, they've even found it by doing an exam through the urethra looking into the bladder. So, I mean, implants wow. can just travel everywhere. So, mm. With that being said, I mean, I don't recall even seeing blood in the urine, but it would make sense that maybe you would have blood in the urine. Sure. What I'll say with over time, one of the late findings is infertility. So again, it's something that you want to try and really hear your patient. You know, all of our patients, they know what's wrong with them. We have to kind of parse through the information and refine it and come up with some possibilities and rule in or out one or the other and then get them off to a really, really well-skilled specialist in wow. women's health. Mm-hmm. So that's super good to know. Cause yeah, that's um, something recently I had been listening to uh, signs uh, hearing about, you know, how most young adults, most women will, will assume that they're fine in their fertility mm-hmm. until they come across something that's really a kind of a red flag like oh you know this doesn't seem very normal but it is good you know just to continue to keep track like you're saying tracking your monthly periods on there's so many different apps mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that's something that i i have started in the last few years but so in regards to how women or i guess teenagers right once they start their menstrual cycle how early should they start to Experience it. Experience it or be aware. You know, it's really interesting. You know, this is a great this is a great (laughs) question. And the reason why is because it is seen in early 
18 years, I would say it's probably not as common. Okay. But it's something that you want to be aware of. Sure. I can think of a young patient that I had when she came in after like her first three cycles. Mm-hmm. And she was having really heavy, really uncomfortable menstruation. And, you know, today's medicine is different. People don't consistently see one provider. Mm. They kind of just, it's kind of drive-by medicine where you go to a clinic and there might be lots of providers there, but the way medicine is, is you either can't get in with who you plan to be your regular or you go to every single person in the clinic. And so sometimes I think it can benefit you if you see the consistent person. If you feel like you're being heard and you're seeing somebody consistent, you can work through things in a systematic way, if that makes sense. Sure. And for me, she came in to see me by chance because somebody wasn't available. And I haven't seen oh, her since. Wow. But in my list of possibilities was a lot of times young girls are just trying to get their hormone cycle all situated. And sure. it's this big feedback loop that's absolutely amazing if you really think about it. But it takes you know, a year or two for them to settle into a pattern. Mm -hmm. So I never get too excited. But if you could actually do diagnostic testing to see, gosh, you know, is she really having heavy, heavy cycles that are impacting her physical well-being, Mm -hmm. I might have more of a suspicion for it or really incapacitated. Because these, this painful pelvic discomfort surrounded around their period, the cyclical pain, it's pretty profound. Sure. However, with that being said, I would also add, you might have a patient and and they have the gold standard diagnostic laparotomy or laparoscopy where they can either use a scope or they can do an incision in the belly. And when you get to that point to diagnose it with surgery, Mm. you've exhausted everything else. Nothing's working. And you really want to preserve fertility. And so then your specialist may say, you know, this is going to really answer our question. We really need to do this um, wow. to, to help that woman preserve her f- fertility. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to say is you might open somebody out, uh, up and see that they have all these endometrial implants, but they have way more implants compared to the very little complaint they're having. Whereas you might have another woman with very few implants, but her pain is experienced completely different. Wow. So you can't really base it off that. It's not a cookie cutter situation. No, it's not. <laughs> so it's really interesting. It is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah. I think it's great that doctors, you know, like yourself or providers like yourself are able to, like you say, exhaust those other options before you get to that point, because I'm sure it's not a an easy decision to make, you know, to say, oh, okay, we have to do this because- there's no other option, but, but it's very, very informative. So this kind of encompasses, I mean, this topic is so, so broad, you know, it's very broad. We could talk about it all day. (laughs) We could, we could, but what would you say are some key points for women as they're learning more about their fertility, as they're growing in knowledge of it? What tips would you give them? Maybe women that are listening that experience endometriosis. What would you, what would you say to them? So what I would say to them is first, it starts with how you just take care of your general health. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like if we do our best 
to do everything in moderation. And I think this is on prior um, podcasts, but Mm -hmm. I truly believe that life should be in moderation. Mm -hmm. And it can be really simple. Not too much work, not too much play, (laughs) not too much exercise, not too much sleeping. It's just everything in balance. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I would say is just healthy eating. On my way in today, I was reading a study about women who in regards to endometriosis. Mm. And I just, I love researching all these things. And it was talking about how women who ate more red meat Mm. had a higher incidence of endometriosis and the difficulty with pain versus women who had a diet that had more omega-3 long chain fatty acids. And so if something as simple as It doesn't mean you can't have red meat, but Mm -hmm. if that's all you're having, there's something about, and I can't remember (laughs) the acid that's within the red meat, but there's something about it that kind of enhances her experience of pain. Whereas if she's having a nice balanced diet with maybe red meat in moderation, because I do, I think there's a place for red meat. I do. Mm -hmm. I'm not about to cut out anything actually in the diet. I think that we just need to eat with portion control and a great variety. And mm-hmm. and some of the things that you can eat that are healthy are all different types of nuts and seeds and use olive oil. Um, mm. Maybe make your own salad dressing um, right. instead of buying one that has a bunch of additives in it. And then exercise is key. Women that exercise more regularly have far less discomfort Mm -hmm. from their endometriosis than women that don't. So those are some basic things. Those are great tips. Wow. Well, I so appreciate. Are there any other last minute things? I think we're going to wrap up today's episode, but are there any other? I mean, if she had a barrier, meaning for whatever reason, she just couldn't get to her primary care physician. Mm-hmm. She certainly could do her own trial of taking ibuprofen or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory Motrin or Aleve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just am really careful when I say this to people because sometimes people will use an over-the-counter, like let's say cough remedy. You need sure. to be familiar with does that have ibuprofen in it and not double your dose. Mm. But basically they could do a trial on their own. Uh, Just make sure they take it with food and take it with eight ounces of water and don't lie down for about 30 minutes after you take a dose of ibuprofen or a non-steroidal Mm anti-inflammatory and just see how that helps. And actually taking ibuprofen, it's reducing inflammation, but it's also reducing prostaglandins, which can impact her heavy bleeding. So it can ha- wow. help in that way too. Okay. It's really simple. But wow. anyway, that's the only other thing I would really say. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being here on this episode. And thank you to all our listeners. Please don't hesitate to visit us here at 3W. And we hope that this episode is encouraging and most of all educational for you as we continue to dive into other fun and informative topics. Thank you, Christy. And uh, yeah, hopefully you'll be with us in another episode soon. I'd be happy to. Take care. Great. You too. Bye-bye. For more information about 3W, please visit our website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, medical.org. From there, you can learn more about the services we provide, book an appointment, or make a donation if you'd like to support our mission. 
You can also call our office at 206-588-0311. That's 206-588-0311. If you liked this episode, please share it with others and consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay healthy and be well.